Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining the Behind Company Lines podcast. Today, we have Eve Halimi, co-founder of Alinea Invest, an investing app created for Gen Zs, which allows users to grow their money by investing in what matters to them. Eve, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really excited to chat with you. Like I mentioned to you uh, offline, I saw your product on TikTok, which got me super excited about what you're doing and, and what you're building. I'm so happy to have you on the show. And before we jump into all the questions that I want to ask, what were you doing before you started Alinea? Thank you for having me on the show. Super happy to be here today. And what I was doing before starting Alinea, a lot. I, I essentially, I started interning when I was in college at, on Wall Street. So my first real internship was my sophomore year at Goldman Sachs. I was working on the cash equity desk, working on a few IPOs at the time. So the DoorDash IPO. And well, that was great experience. I hated being in that environment. I hated working at Goldman where especially I felt like women on the cash equity side of things were kind of there to please the clients, were there to, to entertain more than taken seriously. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so the following summer, I ended up going to work for two Goldman Sachs partners that I had met the the previous summer who had a hedge fund mm -hmm. called Bustahan Gavodan. And, and that was an incredible experience. And that's where I kind of got to learn a bit more about the fintech space and, and started researching more into the gender investing gap problem during that summer. I came back to school my senior year of college at Columbia University, Barnard College, and took an entrepreneurship class where I met my co-founder today, Anam Lakani, uh, who was also doing economics in school and who had also interned on Wall Street at Citibank. Mm -hmm. And she and I both came back our senior year. We had money in the bank from our summer internships and still felt lost as to how to invest our money. We didn't know how much to invest. We didn't know how to diversify our portfolios. We didn't know how to really think about investing and, and managing our finances. And when we started asking our friends, it was a lot of our guy friends who were having the conversations, but not necessarily our girlfriends. And that's when the idea for Alinea kind of sparked and it started in this entrepreneurship class where we wanted to create this new community for investing that was more inclusive, more welcoming and, and open the conversation because I think the big problem today is just we're not having enough conversations about it. So that's, that's kind of what I was doing prior to starting it in a school project. But then I went on, after I graduated, I went on to work for a year and a half under the CEO of a growth stage startup called Content Square. So I was working on the series D financing of the the startup. I worked on a few acquisitions there and I was working on the IPO preparation, which was really exciting. Yeah. So many questions come come from that experience and, and it's so exciting to see how each step the way there was, you know, probably pieces and fragments of information, but it overall, that theme kind of stayed with you and I'm sure, you know, motivated you more so to so to build Alinea, you know, you talked about their, the conversation being very, very much like male dominated and not a lot of, of the other perspective or an alternative perspective. And I guess my question is what, what was gained when you started opening up the conversation, you know, the investors with, you know, different gender backgrounds or orientations and just kind of like, you know, not so cisgendered and, and heteronormative. What was like the, the insights that you were getting that you thought were like, Wow, these are, these are, I'm, I'm sure there were so many key things that were exciting and interesting and, and offering a perspective must have just opened the door for a lot of different, you know, you know, strategies and things along that nature. But what was gained in your eyes the most when you started opening up the conversation? 
Yeah. So it was interesting. There were a few sentences that were repeated over and over again. It was, I didn't think investing was for me. I always thought it was a rich old white man thing. But that was probably the most heard one. Yeah. My dad deals with that. My boyfriend deals with that. It's it's not for me. I don't even know where to start. And so those were kind of the buckets of messaging that we were hearing constantly. It was never, oh, I learned about investing through uh, one of my female friends or through my mother. It was always about the the fathers, the uncle, the boyfriend. Um, and it was always like, I don't feel like I fit it. I don't feel like it's for me. And that's where, that's where we were like, okay, we really need to change this environment. Yeah. I, I come from my, my family is, I come from, come from Alisco, Guadalajara in Mexico. So, you know, there is kind of this barrier of information that, you know, I, I learned there was just so much access that was lacking, especially in, in our community that I gained because I had gone to a private school, which my parents, you know, scrounged up money to, to send me to. And then I was able to get more information through college. But where, where do people, if they don't have that access, get that information or can they get that information from what you've seen doing research on, on this specific area of investment and information? Yeah, I, I think this information comes from, again, your community and the people you're speaking with. So if you're in a community or a group of friends that are telling you about Robinhood, telling you about Webull, and telling you about their trades and how they invested in Tesla the other day and all of that, you'll also go to get into it. But a lot of the time, we forget that a lot of young women or the young minorities aren't having these conversations. And that's what we we realize. And, that, and I think that's been very hard for people to understand and very hard for investors to understand also because mm-hmm. they're not on the ground and they're not understanding and they're not in the position that we are in that these conversations aren't maturing and it's very hard for someone to just go on the internet and type yeah. in how to how to start investing there's going there's going to be so much sensory overload yeah. information and you don't even know where to start so you just quit the page and and move on with your life yeah. What, what, what do you see, or I don't know if you have a number, but what is being left on the table if we're not accessing these groups of people who predominantly don't have access to that information? Or like you said, kind of this information overload. I don't know if you have a percentage or a number, but what piece of the pie are we leaving on the table to not give everyone access to investing in information along with investing in how to and in guidance as well? Yeah, I mean... In the course of a lifetime, if you're not investing, you're losing out on at least a million dollars, right? So there's money that you're we're not generating in the economy by not including or promoting these these people that are kind of being left behind. There's also the fact that a lot of people are not investing in in different asset classes. So when I was working at the hedge fund that summer in 2019, 2018, 2019. I was looking at stats of how many women were investing in Bitcoin and mm-hmm. the statistic was 9%. Wow. So it's extremely low. And I think today we're around 15% to 20%. So it's definitely increased. But it's it's still, yeah, there's still a big gap between between female and male investors. Yeah. What What is Alinea doing better than other applications that is allowing more female or women to invest in whether it's stocks or crypto? And I feel like, you know, when you kind of target not only, you know, the gender gap, but you also, you know, target minority gap as well and allowing people to have overall access. But what are you doing well that you, that you think is, is going to open up kind of a, an open sea for these people to invest into different yeah, asset classes? 
Yeah, I think what we're doing is definitely addressing the beginner's problem. So how to get started, how to invest when you don't know anything. But we're also attracting a lot of people who have 10 plus years of experience on WeFold who are coming on our application because we have this special feature called playlists, which are auctions of investments or basket of investments. So you can invest, you can put a basket together of over 10,000 investment and invest in one click. But little as a dollar, which is an offering that none of the apps currently have. You could customize it and make it your own and we do it completely for free, which definitely has been the reason for a lot of people to switch over from Robinhood Public and other apps. What we, why we are specifically targeting this younger demographic that's new to investing and what we're doing that makes it easier is that instead of trying to make a bet on a single stock, which Robinhood, Webull, and others are pushing you to do, we're really helping you invest in in an initial basket, a a collection of investment through this playlist concept and in what you believe in. So let's say I work in the beauty industry. Mm. I want to invest in public companies that are in the beauty sector, like Olaplex, Esseloader, et cetera. Well, we're going to have a beauty playlist that's going to have four to five investments, super easy that you can invest across all of those in one click. So it makes the the question of like, what should I invest in much easier to deal with? And you can align your your values with your investments. Yeah, that's incredible. I love Olaplex's shampoo and conditioner. They're definitely, definitely a, a user here. You know, when, when you think about like the next generation of investments, I, I, there's just so, there's just so much opportunity. And I feel like applications are doing a, such a great job in matching education, technology, and helping people not only get onto their platform, but utilize it to the best ability. But what do you see the next generation of investing looking like? Is it, is it mainly, you know, a younger demographic kind of disrupting, you know, kind of the, the incumbent of investment that has been to date? Or is it kind of not only that community, but beginning to educate themselves more so on making educated guesses in, in, in investment? How do you see like the next generation of investment playing out, not only now, but in, you know, in the future to come? Yeah, I, I really see our, our generation caring less about financial returns and more about backing and investing in companies that they support. I think that that's going to be a huge impact into whether you're investing in something or not. You're going to look at what the female leadership is on the board. You're going to look at the climate impact the company has. You're going to look at all these different factors and not necessarily ESG because ESG is talk about that on another podcast, but different factors, diversity factors and and inclusivity factors that are that are different than just looking at the P ratio. So it's going to be more encompassing of different statistics and it's going to be a lot around like, okay, I I love using Apple products. I love using Olaplex products. I want to be a shareholder in this company, whether I have $5 or $5,000, I still want a piece of the company. And with that comes a lot of perks, stock perks, which haven't really been introduced yet, but I think are going to be more and more powerful because retail traders now encompass 30% of the entire market, investing market, and that number is only growing. And so we're, yes. uh, public companies want to give back to their, their retail traders, the retail traders more, and they want to offer more perks and rewards for them. So there's going to be more of a relationship between that retail investor and that public company. Yeah, I love that. It, it it reminds me of, of someone said, or I think I read this online. It was it was that you know companies are like VCs and, and other private equity companies that are investing into you know technology and, and technology companies. They're focusing less on the unicorn companies and and focusing more on the zebra companies, which are encompassing community and also education. 
and kind of social impact as well. All these things, I think, are educating a user or a customer to make better decisions, but also make decisions that they really care about. And it's amazing to see that, you know, on different social platforms, there's a lot more accountability that people are, are giving companies for either the decisions they make on product or the decisions they make as, as a total company. So I love the ability to feel more involved based on the things you like and things you use. You mentioned, you know, there's obviously so many other platforms that have tackled investing. Fidelity, we talked about before the show, Robinhood, which is, you know, I mentioned that I was using that before finding Alinean through TikTok, but also Webull as well, which I don't know how to use it. It's fairly not intuitive. I hope, I hope they don't, you know, they, I don't have the feelings there, but it seems as though like, you know, the new technology that, that you're building is very much encompassing a, a, an easy user interface, but also this educational piece that's, that's helping people take advantage of it. But when you think about taking on incumbents like, you know, the Robin Hoods, the Weebles, how, how was that conversation when, you know, seeking out investment? How do you take on an already adopted platform that is, you know, public and, and, and you know, fairly widely adopted and used? What's the strategy around that? I think a lot of startups don't, or a lot of startups face this, where there's somebody, some, some other company that they're, you know, using or, or their competition. And there's a lot to be said about the strategy when, when coming against them. But what, what was your strategy when tackling, you know, a bigger companies or more established startups? What was that strategy like? Yeah, I, I think the reason we got into YC is because we brought in this unique insight because we were on the ground and we have a different perspective than, than someone working at Robinhood, for instance. And when you speak to users and we do surveys with users, our biggest competitor today isn't Robinhood or Fidelity. It's not, I'm not invested. That's the biggest uh, problem. I don't invest. I don't know where to start. So that when we realized that that was the, the biggest competitor and when we presented that data to, to YC and when we showed some early loyal customer base, I, I that's when Michael Seibel, the CEO of Y Combinator was like, okay, they, these young girls definitely know something that we don't one and and two just like with everything else things are changing people are are doing things differently and with investing that's happening as well robin hood was very much a gamified gamified is very much a gamified investing platform where you can day trade stocks and and feel great about them or you can be a long-term investor but it feels very gamified and very mm -hmm. much not for the, the long-term mindset, not diversified, not social, doesn't have a community, doesn't have education, lacks all of these kind of components, which our generation needs more of. And, and so, yeah, I think through a lot of user testing, a lot of user research over the years, we've been able to, to prove and back what we're doing. I will also say that when we spoke to users and collected data, a lot of them were saying, oh, I downloaded Robinhood and then I didn't know what to do, so I deleted the app. And that was the same case for Fidelity or for other apps. It was like, I didn't feel like this was for me, whether it was the user interface, whether it was the, the fact that you're pushed into single stocks, but the, or the fact that there's no handholding or education really kind of threw off a lot of these beginner investors. Yeah, I, I, I kind of equated to like, if I were to, or like Ikea furniture, sometimes you get the instructions, sometimes you don't. And it makes it that much more difficult to, to get set up. What, you know, I, obviously it sounds like, you know, the demographic information was super compelling to investors, but what other pieces of your story or your mission or your technology were, were you know, equally compelling for companies to invest in, in your product that you maybe, I don't know if you still focus on them today or, or if you do, but what was, what else was compelling about the story, um, 
that that really got people behind the product and supported it. Yeah. Number one, we're our own target customer. So we're building for ourselves. And I think that was a key key factor into what we were our our story and and our and our product. And number two, investing with impact, which hasn't really been well done until today. And 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 yeah, and lastly, it was the fact that we were moving really fast. Like we were in full time jobs with my founder and and we had were in the process of getting a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Had gone into Y Combinator, had built an MVP. Like we were in eight weeks, we basically launched the first version of the app, and we yeah, we showed that we were very hungry, that we really wanted to address and tackle this problem, and and we were the right team to do so. Amazing. What, what was the pitch like? I, I'm always curious on, on how people are selling, selling their products. What, what was like the, the pitch for investors and, and when you were in that process? Yeah, so it was, it was a different kind of fundraising because we did it through Y Combinator. So yeah. it was during the demo day, during all of these, fa- there were all these factors that definitely help you with raising money. <laughs> the pitch was, I mean, social responsible investing for Gen Z. I think that that was our, our one-liner when we applied to YC. And it was, yeah, really investing with impact insights, targeting Gen Z, helping first-time investors get started, like yeah. all of that. And it, it, which today, like a year and a half later, is completely true. Like all of our, 76% of our users are first-time investors. Over 68% are female. I'm, I'm forgetting some others, but we, we kind of like stayed with the same mission and, and yeah. stayed with the same vision, we, we still are backing what our original hypothesis was from the beginning. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, tell, tell me a little bit more about the traction. How many users are you now? Currently, you, you mentioned a percentage of, of how many of them were women. would love to hear that number again. And, and kind of overall, what's the adoption of, of the application look like? How many downloads do you have? Tell us a little bit about the success that you're, that you're currently, currently seeing. Yeah, so I... I can't share everything with you, but we have over 50,000 investors on the app and that's been done really organically. We haven't mm-hmm. pushed anything on page. It's been a lot of what we were doing initially was things that don't scale. So for the first year, we went on college campuses, we spoke to students, we spoke, we sat down in, in different college campus clubs and and really understood, so, yeah, understood the problems, really dive deeper into them. Recently, we've been able to, to scale the user base a bit more thanks to TikTok. So we've been growing about 30 to 40% month over month the last two months. Amazing. Because of TikTok, which has been great. So I, I said, I think 68% was female. I think now today we're more at like 74%, 75% oh. because because of TikTok again. Yeah. So so yeah, we've had a bit of a, a, we've had campus ambassadors, which have been incredible support founding members of the team really and they have been in, in college and then we we've been yeah we've been just trying on, on touch now <laughs> amazing amazing one thing that popped into my head just thinking about kind of the overall journey with with investment platforms is the difficulty in, in like compliance regulation and you know we saw the big GameStop I, I don't know if it's a snafu I don't, I don't know what, what you call it a situation that Robinhood found themselves in but how does a company you know in, in your experience kind of keep up with regulation compliance and, and also create a platform that is, you know, I think it's like, I forgot what fee you charge exactly, but essentially allows this low class, low cost trading to be successful in an environment where, where you're, you know, there is a lot of regulation. How do you go about working through those loopholes or those boundaries or those barriers? What, what, what's the process like? If you were to give us a little bit of insight on, on how, you, how it works. 
Yeah. So the regulation was actually not as bad as we thought to get set up. That was nice. I mean, you wouldn't speak with different founders and we'll have a different answer to this. But for us specifically, we didn't find that part to be that challenging. What's definitely been challenging is working around a business model. We are a registered investment advisor, not a broker dealer. So we did not partake in payment for order flow. We never wanted to be a broker dealer. We wanted to always be an investment advisor to have our clients' best interest at heart. And, and that's, yeah, a big differentiator with us and Robinhood and a lot of the other players is that we really have to always think of the customer first and have to provide the best investment advice. And so, so yeah, so we, we basically have to, to figure out our, our business model a bit further. We currently are charging a 1% spread on cryptocurrency fees, but with that said, we are going to be releasing a premium version of the app in the coming month. So that's been in the works and there are a few other monetization streams that are up and coming for us, but it's been extremely challenging to work yeah. around with regulation. Yeah. If you, if you, if you don't mind, cause I don't know how familiar our audience is and, and myself included. What, so what is the primary difference between what you're doing and outside of the other firms that are, that are running? You said yours is more of a financial advising kind of entity versus they are more brokerage. Is that, is that right? You can. Yes, exactly. So a broker dealer is going to make most of their money through payment for order flow, mm. at like selling trade to hedge funds like Citadel. And a registered investment advisor is going to look out for their customers' interest, essentially. They're, they're, we are, our fiduciary date duty with the SEC is to provide best recommendations for, for users. And so something we've been, we've worked on from the beginning is when you get on the app, we'll ask you your interests, we'll ask you your favorite companies, and we'll ask you your risk tolerance. And based on that, we're going to create a customizable playlist for you. Amazing. How, how does, I mean, it's, it's changing the, the model and the dynamics so much. And, and it seems, first of all, the fiduciary responsibility, I think, is huge and, and is definitely overseen. And so many of these applications that are you know, providing information, but you don't know at what interest it's, it's providing them that, how is that changing or, or how are you communicating that level of trust with your users? Is it through the different social platforms? Is it through the onboarding experience? Because it seems kind of challenging building that trust, even though, you know, as an entity, you have to, you know, do in, in the best of your customer. But how are you communicating that to your, to your customer base? Yeah, I think we could definitely be doing better on that. But we're definitely not marketing it as well as I, I hoped we would. But where it's it's very evident on our onboarding during the onboarding process, it's really clear that we have, yeah, that we're a registered investment advisor. But yeah, with that said, there's always people, especially novice investors, who ask around why they need that, why we need to ask for social security numbers, why we need to ask for sure. sensitive and information, and and that also just comes with the the current regulatory. Okay. Of course, of course. What are the biggest risks that Alinea faces today? Oh, great question. I mean, this economic downturn, the markets crashing are, are all big, big risks. And, and I think those are definitely the biggest risk. We have a very strong team. We have a very resilient team. We move extremely fast and we have, yeah, an incredible loyal user base, but we, we definitely aren't in a, in the best position with the current market. Yeah. yeah. What, what makes your job particularly hard? The fact that I have 25 jobs for one person. <laughs> what, what, what it does include? No, I think, I think that that's 
time management for founders is not talked about enough and in an area that needs more help or more support, especially when you're a first time founder. But yeah, my co-founder and I are constantly juggling like so many different responsibilities and so many different things, including HR, including accounting, including yeah. customer support, marketing, social media. Like, yeah, there's, everything. there's so much. <laughs> everything, every department yeah. possible and yeah. sub-department. Yeah. Is there any, is there any guidance or anything that you use in particular that's been helpful to address time management? Not really. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah, it, it's funny. It's, I feel like it's hard to find the exact thing that works for you. You have to go through like many iterations. And even at that point, you learn something new that you're like, oh, maybe if I incorporate that. Yep. But yeah, even, even the traditional books, it's like, I, I don't, I don't know how to function like a robot. So it's, it's kind of, it's difficult when there's so much stimulus kind of that, that is involved in day-to-day -day life. But yeah, what's, you know, if everything goes well, what's the long-term vision for? IPO. Okay. That's definitely on the roadmap. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for us on the, on the product roadmap, especially, it's going to be around offering more impact data, offering more ways for people to invest in what they're, in products they're using. So creating this kind of monthly playlist for you based on where you're you're spending that you can automatically be investing in in a recurring way, creating more rewards between shareholders and public companies. And and yeah, and and getting more and more young people who thought they never were the investor type to to get started. Yeah, incredible. Incredible. Well thank you so much. I I'm so happy that you're able to answer my questions and, and it even more so gives me incentive to dive deeper into the app. But I always like to ask this question for, for founders, not only for my own selfish research, but for others as well to kind of get in, get, get more information. But what books or people have influenced you the most? Yeah. So when I left my, my previous employer, the CEO of Content Square, he gave me this book that I hold dear to me and I, and I always have by my bedside and it's kind of the startup Bible. And he talked about it constantly and he was like, this helped me through so many challenging times as an entrepreneur. And it's the hard thing about hard things. Definitely one that a lot of people have have mentioned, I'm sure, but it's, it's incredibly real because it just talks about how the highs are so high and the lows are so lows. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I think it's, I've heard that once or twice on the podcast and even more so now I need to, to get the book, but if, oh, but the other, the other one I'll mention quickly is hooked. Hooked. What is that? What is that? About? It talks a bit about consumer facing products and the rise of Twitter, Instagram, and so on, and how to build a great consumer app. Oh, incredible. I, I, another founder recommended the book Contagious to me. I don't, I don't know if you've, you've read that before, but it's about building word of mouth. Yeah. You, you've read that one? Yeah. 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 Is, is, it, is it similar or is this one that sounds like more consumer facing? Which it's, is... it's more product facing. Interesting. Okay. I'll have to dive into to both books and, and get further educated into kind of how to uh, tackle the, the startup experience. But Eve, thank you so much for being on the show. Last little bit. Give us your plugs. I love to have founders give me their LinkedIn's or Twitter. Where can we support you? Where can we support the product vision? Obviously, I think, where can we download the app? Is it on the app store? Is it on Google Play? Give us all that information so we can further support the vision and the mission of the company. Yeah, we're only on the app store currently, but you can find us typing in Alinea, A-L-I-N-E-A. -E we are really present on TikTok. Through Anamon Eves, my co-founder and I's account is our, our primary account where we talk about product updates, our story, uh, etc. We're also on Instagram at Alinea Invest. And yeah, those are our primary channels. Amazing. 
Hey, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed your time on the show. I'm, I'm really excited to not only dive into the product, but also see where, it's, where it goes and the new product updates. It sounds like we're working on some really cool features that we're going we're gonna to use as a cons- consumer to, to further our investment kind of you know, process portfolio, everything like that. So again, thank you so much for being on the show and I hope you enjoyed yourself. Of course. Thank you so much.